The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The X-Wing with your host, Joe Salant. Yeah, this is the broadcast for the rebels who have escaped from the collectivist orb. We got that pure justice on deck, but you got to come and get it. in the rebel cave with your boy joe salant it's the x-wing abolition of the clergy lady divide let's get right to it after 9-11 churches in america swelled in attendance up 25 percent for a couple of weeks as seekers of truth and meaning in the wake of tragedy bum-rushed the pews what they found instead was the inside of the hollow shell of the american religious club where a subpar performance, including a music session from a band that couldn't make any money on the secular circuit, followed by a plagiarized Bible lecture from the podium, a paper leaflet explaining church membership and the official programs of the institution was passed around. On that little booklet, the pastoral staff of the institution was listed, with the bios representing roughly 75% of the money given to the institution by its members, who are told on a regular basis that the tithe belongs to the institution. Now, pretty much none of the money is used to drastically move the truth into the culture through service with the plethora of modern means available today to do so, which is why it took the destruction of two of the most famous buildings in the world and thousands of humans flying out of the windows to get people looking for the Christians for answers and finding the inside of the American Christian religious clubs instead. So, after a few weeks, the church rush was squelched and attendance went back to normal. Hosea 5.15 says that in their affliction they will seek me. So they were afflicted, and they sought, and they did not find him in the American churches. And uh, but all they did fi- find... Uh, was the professional performance of the American clergy seeking new pew warmers and pocketbooks. Look, when you read the New Testament, whenever you read about believers in Jesus gathered, it always has the feel of a culture, of houses with meals, of needs being met, gifts and talents being shared, meetings long into the night, even in uncomfortable physical surroundings, because nobody wanted to leave. We have plenty of historical accounts of pagans in the old Roman Empire who who simply heard that there was a better place to live, uh, heard there was a better place where love, justice, and equality could be experienced. And when their own personal lives reached that 9-11 point, setting out to find the Christians in the catacombs, experiencing the kingdom of God on earth and never going back to their old lives again. And though the only blood that was shed was that of the Christian martyrs, it was a genuine, successful revolution against the greatest empire the world had ever seen. Jesus as Lord replaced Caesar as Lord because of these early, vibrant Christian communities. Of course, not all was well within the early church communities. There was a severe struggle with heresies, False teachings and false leaders showing up to draw away, you know, believers as as Satan tried to destroy the knowledge of the truth uh, while the church was in its infancy. For this reason, the Apostle Paul set up real leaders and certain congregations to watch the flock from those who would creep in and try to institute the old covenant or say that the sexual fantasies of the Greeks were fair game for Christian practice. Nevertheless, self-government under God's law for each believer was the goal, not top-down government from outside anywhere. The content of Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus were to help realize the promise for the new covenant that each member of the body of Christ will be a priest fully capable of self-government under King Jesus' kingdom law of liberty and justice for all not to uh, stifle it in a permanent babysitting environment. 
You know, that content has been used, of course, to produce that babysitting environment. Quite the opposite of liberty for all and uh, to hold back the promise of the new covenant, which is clear. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Hebrews 8.11 All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And the great shall and great shall be the peace of your children. Isaiah fifty four thirteen. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. John six forty five. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing of teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it has taught you abide in him first john 227 I mean, we could go on there are many other verses to show that true spirituality defined by paul in first corinthians 2 14 and 15 is the ability to judge good and evil in all things and behave accordingly and part of what is cursed at the fall is now undone at the new covenant and available to all, all saints of God, from the, from the least to the greatest. Each Christian should be able to look at the world and judge it in every aspect through the eyes of God, with no gray areas, no detachment from particular areas is not under the jurisdiction of Christian evaluation. Simply put, the person, person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, period. And pronounces those judgments of righteousness and justice, which is the foundation of God's throne, Psalm 89, 14. Pronounces those judgments of righteousness and justice, the foundation of God's throne, into the world in word and deed. Each Christian an idol smasher. Each family of Christians, a destroying army of the old fallen ways of pagan collectivist man. Plain and simple. There is no other option for true Christianity in the new heavens and new earth, which is merely the language to say that the new covenant is here, not that a planet will, will drop out of the sky. For that, I refer you to Joel McDermott's podcast, The Devoted Word. The Devoted Word, Joel McDermott, American Vision, started episode one and work forward. However, what we have on our church landscape, in our culture, is quite the opposite of that New Testament promise, to say the least. What we have is what the seekers at 9-11 found, a professional class of permanent teachers and bosses and rulers and an accompanying clown show with biblical motifs. The uh, professional class itself, in 99.9% of the occasions, 99.9999999% of the occasions, See who can get that reference. Cannot judge good and evil themselves because they are under the curse of Deuteronomy 28.28, which is madness, blindness, and confusion of heart for unfaithfulness to apply the law of God to their lives, including looking at the kingdom of God backwards as a place to find a permanent position to experience benefits of a teacher, experience the benefits of the teacher and rule over others. When, when Jesus gives us the exact opposite description, this is why this curse of Deuteronomy 28, 28, this blindness, uh, part of this curse has, has come upon um, the religious club uh, leadership and, and the followers. Jesus gives us this description. You are not to be called rabbi. You have one teacher and you're all brothers and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, teachers. You have one teacher, the Christ. And the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever hum exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew 23, 8-12. To be fair, this curse of blindness to see the kingdom as a collectivist ladder-climbing opportunity stretches back centuries. And, you know, the doctor, professor, head-teaching lead pastor 
in our landscape and their professional staffs of boss man, ruling elder, future head doctor, professor, teaching lead pastor. And I have thousands of years of predecessors and precedent for why Matthew 23 instruction should not be regarded as teacher instructor. Uh, you know, it needs to be balanced out by the rest of scripture, but the verses describing elders and their placement as the early church led the transition from old covenant to new covenant in the midst of powerful first century wolves sent to snuff out the flame. You know, those, those are permanent fixtures. Those are standalone truth in the institutional church to be required all the way up to the minutes of the very last hour or the very last hour for the eschaton or afterwards, you know, the entire church model, <laughs> the entire model we have for the church in our culture today is based on who the instructor or instructors are, what their credentials look like, etc. Who's, oh, that's, you know, that's the doctor church, you know, that's the, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, absolutely. So, it, you know, if you belong to a Christian religious club in our land, it, it likely means you go to the building on Sunday. You sit in your seat, you know, aisle 36 b you sit in your seat, you listen to the professional songs and lecture, and then go go perhaps over the assigned materials at designated lay leaders' houses once or twice a month. You know, the really dedicated ones will put their butts into a chair and provide audience for the lesser attended Wednesday night performance, sometimes led by a doctor, professor, pastor, lead boss in training. Um, the next guy that's going to get the church plant over, you know, wherever. So... Of course, the professional religious class distinguishing itself from the commoners or the plebes in the body of Christ has been a perversion. A 2,000-year running pagan central planning bastardization of the protections the Spirit gave the early church in the transition from Old Covenant to New. Uh, until the new heavens and the new earth fully revealed with the destruction of Jerusalem in the Old Order, 70 A.D., uh, the book of Revelation, bam, smash. Uh, this this clergy-laity divide has been in place up to this point throughout church history. You know, so I, I personally, Joe Salant, personally wasted over $100,000 in debt and a decade of real service, that could have been on the grind, real service on worthless, pietistic, theological degrees. So... I could move from the laity class to the clergy class and make a living being regarded as a professional instructor of kingdom truth by the commoners. You know, serving them secondhand information, giving them guidance at physical locations they could have just as easy accessed from a link on their smartphone to the source that I stole it from. Uh, I have a War Room episode detailing my ladder climb from the seminary to the speaker circuit. And how the Spirit hit me with the truth about the sham I was participating in and all that. Uh, you can check that out. Not, not hard to find. So, the crux of the matter. This clergy-laity divide has been advertised as necessary, as essential, until the end by the teachings of the clergy of all theological persuasions. I mean, imagine that. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, excelling, Joe Salant, um, I'm here to tell you today. It must be abolished. The clergy and laity divide, clergy-laity divide, this must be abolished to see dominion exercised away from the enemies of the kingdom of God in the land, period. As long as the church experience is what the 9-11 seekers experienced, there will never be victory. As long as a program uh, to subject yourself to a speaker and their team's agenda once a week is considered church, uh, there will never be victory. The church will be in its infancy forever, constantly protecting itself from perversions of the most basic Christian doctrines, such as the sovereignty of God. And when illumination breaks through by the providence of the Spirit, you know, such as the sovereignty of God applies not just to your soul, but to your city, then the pro-leaders must spend another 2,000 years making a living, guarding, expounding, regurgitating, navel-gazing that truth under the seminary-issued microscopes, conferences, debates, thousands of hours of audio files. There will never be victory. In, in, until the laity is set free to realize the truth that they can judge 
good and evil in all things and live accordingly, that they don't need uh, the professional supervision at all steps of the way to get it done, that they don't require some second-rate theologian to hold their hand and watch over their soul or else they will morph into a hellish heretic until they get free from that, free from that stronghold, there will never, never, never be victory until the body of Christ takes its fellowship back from the tyranny of clergy-led ritualism, there will never be victory. God designed the fellowship of the Lord's Supper to be the heart of the gathering. It was a meal where nobody could dominate the conversation because they were, you know, eating well and drinking wine together. Now, it's a tasteless little wafer and a thimble cup of grape juice in a ceremony that must be presided over by professionals to make sure now that the partakers have met the credentials. Make sure that they're worthy. You should pass. The pathetic elements themselves represent the saltless, flavorless, insufficient nature of this ritual perversion of the New Covenant community dinner. Until... This pro-ritual funeral system is repented of and substituted for the real thing that it's blocking out. There will never be victory. If the 9-11 seekers had walked into feast rooms where everyone was up on the truth, having a blast together in King Jesus from the least to the greatest, they would never have left. Then again, If these feast halls of truth existed, instead of the religious clubs, it would be a reflection of the justice established in the culture, and 9-11 wouldn't have happened to begin with. A professional class of saints is absolutely toxic to the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. And whether it's one pope in Rome, the scriptures only in Latin needing to be interpreted by the pope's ruling class, or whether it's the American pseudo-reformed ministry-industrial complex with its oligarch elder sessions under the hundred of pulpit popes turning the living word of God into a boring lecture and the community feasts into the magic sacraments, effectively rendering the priests and the pews into plebes, the result is the same. Christianity becomes an ineffectual religious club with menial menial tasks centered around unqualified religious bosses with the dictums, teachers that can't teach but write the curriculum. There will never be victory like that. It is totally understandable that those with the power will write the program and read themselves as a special class in the process. All collectivism in human history works itself out this way. An appeal to the people at the beginning of the movement as the grassroots savior against tyranny. It turns twice the child of hell it was meant to replace. It is, the natu- it is natural in man's carnal state to seek power over ethics. That's why every worldview, except for true Christianity, is power religion. It's the use of a physical means to create a power class over those less able to establish power or justice for themselves. True Christianity is different, but what we have today isn't true full-orbed Christianity. It's a truncated Christianity with basic biblical truths mentally ascended to and mixed with mostly pagan thought and application where the rubber meets the road. I contend we are still in early church history. In the power religions of the world, discipline means punishment meted out by the rulers to the ruled. It is always top down. In Christianity, discipline, it means teaching, instruction, becoming more like Christ in word and in deed. This is why, as Bo Marinoff points out in part three of And in One Holy Local Church, the ghettoization of Protestantism, In all the qualifications and responsibilities the Bible gives to elders, punishment and excommunication is not there. It's only correction by teaching, casting down the speculations and strongholds that exalt themselves above the truth. So you look at Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus, excommunication, 100% absent. But there are too many verses about 
personal example and teaching to list. So when it comes to excommunication, the Bible is clear in Matthew 18 that it is to be carried out by the entire community, much like an Old Testament execution, which is a complete check on the potential abuse. Unless you substitute the word church for pastors or elders or leaders from that passage, it's impossible to see the biblical process of excommunication in any other way than carried out by the entire body. Nevertheless, in today's clergy laity authoritarian pagan top-down para kingdom centrally planned ecclesiastical nightmare landscape it is quite the opposite so with no biblical warrant whatsoever discipline is conflated with punishment and the power of excommunication is placed solely in the hands of the elders the power class who paradoxically can't even accomplish the nature and function of a true biblical elder which is didactic teaching only they can't judge good and evil for themselves it has zero to do with discipline beyond instruction which of course which is of course true discipline this is a huge recipe for injustice and stagnation if a board of elders brings a false charge against a pew plebe and their ruling is found to be unjust then all that happens to that board of elders is that their ruling is reversed they face zero biblical responsibility for their crime against their victim which is false witness and where the law of god demands as an entire session they will receive the penalty that was meant for their victim power religion american churchianity simply frees the victim to go back and live under the same tyranny under the same tyrants because of this kangaroo setup excommunication is a joke and there's zero church discipline if a gaggle of church mob bosses decides someone should be put out that excommunicated individual simply goes to another collective in another 501c3 ghetto and everyone just laughs at the process so nevertheless if you ask the average churchman in our culture submission to an ecclesiastical elite within a specific religious club uh you know mandatory membership on the roles of a specific clergy it, it, it's 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 absolutely necessary for church discipline yeah right just as necessary as the ministry of agriculture in the ussr was necessary for the existence of food so collectivism it dims the wits it makes you stupid and and if you're even if it's a if it's a oh hey check this out so if it's a popular member of the clergy uh you know that's that's excommunicated ha even more of a joke we just went through an episode this year where an internationally openly international openly racist neo-nazi friendly conservative reformed speaker named peter hammond was executed by a fully ministry industrial complex accredited institution you know for for other sins actually you know than the segregation of the marriage bed and the pro-nazi propaganda if you can believe that and the excommunication was mocked and laughed off by a highly respected reformed church group who featured him as an honored speaker this past summer no <laughs> the the discipline from the elders of the religious club it meant nothing you know however on the other hand the public rebuke Joel McDermott of American Vision, along with the rest of us talking heads at Recon Radio, the rebels in the cave, you know, what we did, it actually damaged the unrepentant churchy and clergy celebrity enough where he has noted his ministry funds from the entire country of America are drying up. He's over there in South Africa, where apparently this is acceptable. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So. And, and, and all we did over, look, all we did over here was exposed to the body of Christ, what he teaches about the races and the German Holocaust. So interracial marriage is a betrayal to God. Hitler got a bad rap for the Hollywood Jews. I mean, can you believe this stuff? You know, it's, it's likely that the Nazis didn't commit atrocities, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, so summarizing where we are so far, the clergy laity divide has always, always even at the very, very beginning, even, even at the, it, this has always been an imaginary distinction of the categories listed in Ephesians four apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, one apostles existed for, you know, the short transition from old covenant to new might have qualified for a special class consideration. And that only also for teaching to give us revelation, the revelation we have in the new Testament. All exist only as a temporary measure for the purpose of building up the body of Christ until the unity of the faith is attained, the full expression of Christianity realized. 
everywhere. So they, they exist for the sole end of spiritual maturity. So Christians can judge good and evil and exercise dominion for King Jesus. Each member of the body, an idol smashing machine. And when that maturity is realized, they're no longer necessary. They move on. You know, they don't hold any ontological status above any other Christian than that of a servant and not a servant in name only like American police. They try calling it an American police. Hey, servant, you know, you see um, a genuine servant, we mean. And so, in other words, Ephesians 4 does not support. This is the important point. Ephesians 4 does not support a pagan ruling hierarchy within the body, but merely identifies servants to support the growth of the body until maturity. The end is maturity. However, pretty much as soon as the church was born, Within a generation, we had leaders within it applying the pagan model of top-down rulership on the regulars, you know, as a means to protect the truth, of course, high walls to guard the city, you know, rewriting the role of teachers into the permanent babysitter role, into a permanent state of maturity over their students. The antithesis in the Bible, of course, Hebrews 5.12 states, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. That's right. Even, even back in the first century, each Christian with the Holy Spirit and the resources available to them back in antiquity was expected by the writer of Hebrews to be able to rise to the level of teacher in maturity understanding and application of the faith to all of life. How much more than after 2000 years to millennium of dominion, the tools of dominion that we have today with the lectures, the sermons, the resources of all kinds reflecting this whole long 2000 years of growth and understanding in the faith, literally available at, in the palm of every believer's hand, in the palm of every believer's hand right here, man, with the swipe of a touchscreen, how much more should every believer, every individual priest be able to teach at a level the writers of Hebrews would marvel at? What is holding that back? What is holding that maturity back? Well, it's very much in the interest of the professional teachers to permanently perpetuate a divine right of maturity that keeps their students immature, in constant need of their services. Go interview any congregant anywhere in any congregation in the entire culture and ask, if you applied yourself here in three years, the time that Jesus was with his disciples now, you know, greater works you'll do in my name, all that, right? So if you apply yourself here in three years, could you surpass the instructor behind that podium who gives the sermon each week? Guaranteed, the most common answer you would receive is this. And test me out. This is the answer you'll receive. Of course not. He's gifted to this body as the teacher, and we are just blessed to sit under him, blessed to support him financially, and anxious to receive what God gives him fresh, to communicate to us from the word, you know, from that stage every week. Now, now in, in any other model of raising up disciples for a trade, you know, out in the real world, this 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 model would be laughed out of the curriculum. There, that and that's in the pagan world where top-down hierarchies are appreciated. Uh, that kind of hierarchy is a pagan hierarchy, and even the pagans would be like, "What? Wait, what? Are you kidding? Like, dang! Like a lifetime? <laughs> wow! <laughs> what trash!" You know, how much more should the community of Matthew twenty-three, the call no man your teacher? How much more should the people of Hebrews 5.12, the you should all be teachers, how, how much more should the community of faith that holds to the concept, the revolutionary concept of the priesthood of all believers smash on such a pathetic concept of a special class of teachers for a perpetual group of students? The, uh, the doctor, pastor, teacher, professor, lead information dispenser, Mitchell Smith, the fourth. Sir, check your bulletin and billboard on the highway for your master model. You kidding me? 
You know, it's it's exactly the pumping of this facade, the the leader follower pagan mentality, the clergy laity. The scriptures are in Latin. You need me to explain that to you from behind my box. Drive your butt here to this building, forty five minutes, because this is a real church, you know. And pay my way with your ten percent of the gross, you know. It's that that must go. There is literally nothing to be gained by attending the mockery of what we have as church today that you couldn't more officially do in a more organic setting. You know, singing together worship songs to King Jesus. You can do that at the pad. Praying together. You can do that at the pad. How about listening to a sermon? Well, I got news for you. You could probably find the audio content your professional stole his sermon from right on your iPhone while you're on the toilet. So check. You can do that at the pad. Lord's Supper, actually much more biblical as a real as a real meal at the crib. So check. Why go to a special facility? Well, there is one legitimate reason, and that's that there are other Christians that visit the centrally planned religious organization. So I get that. You know, the the organ the solution is to help build a culture where we can actually obey Hebrews. Uh, 10, 24 through 25, and not forsake the genuine fellowship, which takes place much better in a home than in a pew or, a, you know, the rush time at the end of the service, the potluck, right? You know, much better. You know, the gathering ourselves together, uh, not to meet a weekly attendance requirement. So we can, I went to church, you know, but to obey the instructions to exhort each other daily. Not once a week, he, Hebrews 3.13. The other reason is an illegitimate reason. You know, that is, of course, that you must be accountable to an ecclesiastical boss, only, only accessible to you at the religious government building. You know, uh, remember, the teacher has no special disciplinary powers. Accountability is to be had within the body, organically, without a top-down structure. Mature believers seek them out. You know, um, period, and uh, have that accountability. It's not found in the religious government building. There is no accountability at the religious government building to be had. You know, it's organically within the body, no top-down structure. You know, which is why there's no real discipline in the religious clubs of the culture. Ask Peter Hammond. Of course, you are free in Christian liberty to attend a religious club and participate in all of its programs. No. Um, if you see that as a good method of being built up in the faith unto maturity, Romans 14, you know, helping other saints do the same. However, the perpetuation of the myth uh, of, of, of what is normally regarded as a church attendance, you know, um, you know what, what, what do you belong to? Where, where, where do you attend church, right? So this is a severe detriment to maturity. And I would draw the ethical judicial line against that and use your Christian liberty wisely. If, if you scroll through social media these days, you can't miss a gaggle of Christians complaining that pagans who serve the world now and created the services and therefore have authority over the users sometimes regulate the way that Christians communicate on them. I mean, imagine that, right? Those who serve Caesar screening out the message of those who serve Jesus. Well, what kind of skirmish is this? <laughs> look at look at the, look look. The pagans applied the biblical principle of leadership by service. They provided a service that advanced the culture forward, even a service that advanced the kingdom of God forward. By the providence of King Jesus, the internet, YouTube, social media, it has completely demolished any necessity to learn by proxy, physically traveling to a source of information and sitting under a master in most fields. I mean, you can learn stuff on YouTube to fix your car. It's just incredible, right? So, I mean, what amazing tools. Shouldn't the Christians, the custodians of the biblical worldview, who created Western civilization, you know, the only worldview able to support the creation of technology, that doesn't happen in a random, in random matter, energy, space-time, confusion universe, right? The, we, the laws of physics, the laws the science, that science is governed by, right? You know, 
those who believe in a God that can provide those laws, the necessary building blocks and foundations, shouldn't they have been the ones spearheading the technological advancement for the glory of God at the advancement of the Christian faith? Well, sadly, no. Christians of our culture throughout the previous two generations, especially, all right, and definitely starting with the Industrial Revolution and the withdrawal of the churches have been busy creating the centrally planned religious club environments experienced and rejected by the 9-11 seekers. These centrally planned religious clubs have siphoned off the vitality and stunted the maturity of Christians in the land and are in and of themselves a judgment for doing evil in history against King Jesus, the human sacrifice of chattel slavery, abortion, police, war on drugs, state immigration controls, war machine, etc., etc., etc. They exist to maintain the line between the religious rulers and the ruled, the latter blindly supporting the former and the former blindly leading the latter into the ditch of unrighteousness and injustice and perpetual spiritual immaturity. The madness, the blindness, the confusion of heart. Deuteronomy 28, 28 curse. Babies forever that could never imagine becoming teachers. After all, their teachers aren't teachers, but fit the pagan Rome category of clergy now, never offending Caesar, keeping the laity in subjection with power religion justified by biblical citations. They fit the clergy definition very well. So, a Facebook exchange between Reconstructionist radio podcaster and all-around idol demolisher, my big bro, Bojidar Marinoff, and, and Phil Kaiser, a popular Reformed pastor who exhibits an impressive, uh, full-orbed view of the gospel, very uncommon to American clergy class, extremely, sky sharp. This exchange that I'm about to go over with y'all, and bring it up on my screen, is pure gold. Is pure gold for us to gain wisdom in regard to the smashing of the old paradigm of a semi-permanent teacher class above the students, the clergy-laity divide. To Kaiser's credit, he appears to yield to the right side of the ethical judicial line, uh, at least by default, as, as presented in, in classic Bow style. And this is just great. Uh, we will publish the entire exchange for y'all, but for time and space here, here are a few of the highlights. The background is a post by Kaiser where he says that teachers over the common saints will be needed until the eschaton. Teachers over the saints, teachers over the common saints needed till the eschaton, the so-called, and he calls it the so-called scribes and wise men of the new covenant. You know, he's one of them, right? So, and he would be. So, Bo responds. The question here is, however, what is the historical dynamics in the world after the cross? Toward what world and what church are we going? In what world and that church will immaturity be such an ever-present factor that we will always be in need of teachers? And therefore, can we make sitting under teachers be an imperative for all Christians all the time until the final day? The New Testament is clear. Teachers and other ministries are temporary. They have a specific purpose, the maturity of their listeners. Once that purpose is achieved, the ministry is not needed anymore. And if the ministry does not achieve that purpose, it is useless. Besides, there is not a single biblical verse to connect being under teachers to being under an institutional body. Get that. There, I'm going to say that again. There is not a single biblical verse to connect being under teachers to being under an institutional body. I have asked this question before. Show me where being under teachers is equated to being under an institutional body. I am yet to get an answer to that one. That was Bo Marinoff. Kaiser now gracefully admits that he had not heard that interpretation, that approach to the passage they were discussing, obviously Ephesians 4, before. And, and being the quality scholar that he is, he checks and yields that the Greek does not have anything that conflicts with Bo's position. But he asks for more clarification on where it leads. And here's Bo's response. I'll tell you where it leads. 
says Bo. Let me see if I get his eye. I'll tell you. I'll tell you where this leads. Okay, I'll tell you where this leads. And before I tell you, <laughs> before I tell you, I want to confess that I still don't have all the answers in this direction, which is what keeps me from writing about it. It leads to the conclusion that maturity over time, this is how Bo, Bo talks, he's, you know, he's got that Bulgarian smash on him. It, it leads to the conclusion that maturity over time will mean a fusion between the spiritual and the natural. I'm going to go back to my voice now so y'all don't get distracted. Will, will mean a fusion between the spiritual and the natural. That is, Christians will become more and more charismatic. That is, learning directly from God instead of teachers and yet... Such direct connection will become more and more natural to them and ordinary. Christians will be experts in the knowledge of both the scriptures and the power of God. Matthew twenty two twenty nine, Mark twelve twenty four. That everyone will be, be capable of speaking directly to God as becomes a true priest. And everyone will be capable of recognizing perfectly well what part of his personal revelation is in accordance with scripture. Just like Abraham was capable of speaking to God at any time, whether God was in front of him in bodily form or not, so will future generations of Christians. So it is in this sense that the gifts will cease and the teachers won't be needed anymore. Now, roll back to our time, says Bo Marinoff. Look at the current doctrine and ecclesiology in all of its elements. It is exactly contrary to such vision or perfectly spiritual and perfectly knowledgeable Christians. It denies the concept of direct communication with God, cessationism, and it denies the concept of maturity and private judgment local church membership. At every step, the modern ecclesiastical elite is working to prevent that glorious future from becoming reality. Very important. At every step, Bo Marinoff says to Phil Kaiser, the modern ecclesiastical elite is working to prevent that glorious future from becoming a reality, exactly because that Glorious future implies no need for an ecclesiastical elite. Ding, 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 ding. It should be ringing bells right now. Who knows how far ahead we would have been if we didn't have such chains. I look at Rush Dooney. He broke from the chains and look how far he has been able to drag us on his own. And this has not been without consequences, Bo goes on to Phil Kaiser. Want to know why modern Presbyterianism is salt trampled under the feet of men? Look no further. It is those chains that have destroyed its savor. And it goes further down and down. Doing the same thing in a better way will not produce different results. You need a complete revision of everything you thought was good practice in theology in order to reverse it. So, wow, smash. Kaiser spends a few days marinating. So a few days ago by on Facebook with no response on that thread. And then we check back and there was a notification. You know, Phil Kaiser responds. Um, you know, and he, he, he responded to Bo and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it for time. So, so he basically says, Bo, we're not even close to there yet. I've been sitting here in bed with the flu thinking about this. We're not, we're not even close to there yet. So to the place where Ephesians 4 is talking about, shoot, I'm a teacher and I'm not there myself. So officers are needed to shepherd the individuals who don't have that level of maturity. I'm a teacher. I'm not there myself. So what about them? They definitely ain't there. You know, he goes on to list verses in the Old Testament that eliminate the perpetual purchase of purpose of special teachers and argue against Bo's application. And we'll post it. So, so yeah, so he kind of falls back to the status quo there. And then Bo pounces in response. I mean, don't, <laughs> it, it, this is crucial. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You know, mark this time on the talk. Save it. Don't miss this. This is Bo's response. Classic. Pastor Kaiser, there is a world of assumptions behind your questions. Not all of them are mutually reconcilable and not all of them necessarily true. Perhaps instead of covering all of your questions, it is better that I point to these wrong assumptions and contradictions, or at least the most strategic ones of them. The most important contradiction is this, quoting Kaiser now. 
the very depth of knowledge and practice and mature love that is defined in Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 indicates to me that no individual Christians are there yet. I'm sure not there yet, Kaiser said. So the officers are needed to shepherd the individuals who don't have that level of maturity. Bo again. So let me see if I got the logic of this. No man is there yet, but that doesn't stop us from relying on men to get there. How about them teachers, huh? If they're not there yet, how are they going to get us there? If the student can't ever be greater than his teacher and the teacher is not there yet, does this mean that we're obligated to confine the student to a level that is below that of his teacher or below any teachers that he can find in his vicinity? Do you see where this is going logically? Let me put these things together so that it's clear. And Bowen, his, analog, his, his logical mind, breaks it down. Number one, no one is mature enough, not even the teachers. Number two, therefore, everyone has to be under a teacher. Number three, the student is never greater than the teacher. The only conclusion from this is that every consecutive generation will have lower maturity level than the previous generation. There is no escape from such a conclusion. Perhaps this is the reason for the sorry state of the American church today. How do we solve the problem? Well, one in three are givens. We can't change those. Therefore, there must be something wrong with number two. And guess what? There indeed is something wrong with number two. Everyone has to be under a teacher. Your assumption is wrong. Namely that if a person is immature, they need shepherds or teachers. Wow. How do I know this is wrong? Well, the Bible tells me so. It's in the promise of the new covenant that we will all be taught directly by God. It's right there, right in the text. So teaching maturity is not dependent on teachers. It never has been. Teachers are a secondary cause, a tool, but they have never been an imperative in the Bible. That's the whole idea of giving the Holy Spirit for crying out loud, that we all have access to God. Why are we accepting an ideology that returns us back to the pre-Christ times where the Holy Spirit was only a privilege given to a few select people? This is not even cessationism anymore, Bo says. It's pure Phariseeism. Thus, to summarize, the training to maturity may start from being under teachers, Bo says to Phil Kaiser, but it doesn't have to continue under teachers. The whole concept that being under teachers is mandatory is blatantly anti-biblical and specifically anti-New Covenant. It is the Holy Spirit who trains us to maturity. Sometimes he uses teachers. And if you want the word teleos thrown in the mix for good measure, it's in Hebrews 5.14. The mature teleos there becomes such not by sitting under a teacher's, but by training their own senses through exercise. And then here, Bo really slams the nail in the coffin of the clergy laity divide. Here he goes, addressing Phil Kaiser. I really can't fathom how we, as Reformed Christians, sola scriptura and all that jazz, suddenly come to the conclusion that sitting under teachers is mandatory. Seriously. Were the apostles mature enough when Jesus left them? He left them without a teacher. It's right there in our sola scriptura that we only declare but never really believe. He left them without a teacher. And who was to be their teacher? Of course, of those image, immature, uneducated, foolish peasants and fishermen, the Holy Spirit. Again, it is right there in our sola scriptura, which we always declare and never really believe in as reformed Christians. And of course, to complete the circle, we have also created an ideology that denigrates the place of the Holy Spirit, rejects the biblical reality of spiritual baptism, the greater baptism, according to John the Baptist and Jesus, and digs deeply into irrelevant and insignificant details about the lesser baptism. Wow. This is, oh man, Bo's ridiculous. You know, there were only 12 people to whom that promise of the new covenant was valid and they weren't going to need teachers and they would be directly taught by the spirit. But the rest of the church throughout the centuries, they will return to the pre-Christ method of learning. <laughs> smash, smash, smash. This is completely absurd, goes on Bo. This is not 
reformed Christianity by any stretch of the imagination, and I doubt it can be called Christianity at all. Mercy. That was it. That was it for that one right there. Wow. I, I, that 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 is for I mean for all the stuff that that he's that he's done you know in these in these Facebook exchanges exchanges debate that that is my favorite one that's number one smash 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 the clergy lady divide in pieces this was a year ago you know uh, the clergy lady divides lies in pieces next to the pagan lie that the institutional presence of teachers over students is a sign of maturity so praise God. For continuing the Dominion mandate through the pagans and giving us a Mark Zuckerberg so that we could have this forum where Marinoff and Kaiser could have this exchange and seekers of the truth could be edified. Now, it is time, back to me now, back to your boy Joe Salant, X-Wing, destroying the clergy-laity divide, the abolition of the clergy-laity divide. It is now time to erase the clergy lady divide once and for all and stop building the little para kingdom popedoms for centrally planned religious life and spend that creativity and those resources to replace Facebook. Perhaps I suggest a social media platform that does the same thing and even better and provides the individual privacy from the state that users on the left and the right long for. Remember the congressional hearings blasting Zuckerberg for Facebook's data mining? We have the bad, if you want something funny, Google bad lip reading Zuckerberg before Congress. You'll see some really, really funny. Uh, there's a bad lip reading on that, and it's hilarious. You know, the time to complete the work of the Reformation and, and, and abolish the clergy laity uh, uh, power religion, you know, and, and, and get to this actual dominion in the land. It's time to, it's time to realize that the centrally planned worship services under the ecclesiastical elite provide genuine worship and maturity, just as much as communism fulfills its guarantee of a chicken in every pot. For instance, in each instance, there is no meat. There's just watery milk and subjection to the masses. The conquering army for King Jesus is the, is the sheepish flock of perpetual babies under the care of false shepherds who don't understand the basic hierarchy of the kingdom of God. The least among you is the greatest. Call no man teacher. You have no teacher. That Jesus is the, who is the Christ. That, that is your teacher. You know, uh, Jesus who is the Christ. Nevertheless, the spirit is moving and a turn in the corner of his story is on the horizon. Repentance of this top-down bureaucracy and a full embrace of self-government under King Jesus. And individual responsibility to be the teacher that Hebrews 5 talks about. Capable to exercise dominion where you are in the land for the kingdom. This is certainly at hand. Farming out our duty to be idol smashers to the pros... Funding them to do our work for us. I've got these degrees. Send me your money. I will start a club. I will do this. I will do that. You know, all that, all that, all that kind of stuff. Right? Right? You know, those days come into a screeching halt. You know, soon the entire clergy class and the entire landscape will have to stop reinventing the wheel, stealing materials for sermons and counseling and Go get a real job and be productive in the Dominion mandate. Go replace Facebook. My friend Nick Perez. Now, Nicholas Perez, he goes by on Facebook. My boy. You know, he, he, he's one of the most spiritually mature Christians I have ever met. This guy. He acts like a biblical elder with me in every way. Offering correction where my content is outside the boundaries of God's law. Encouragement when I hit the bullseye and represent that ethical judicial line correctly. I can count on him as, as well as constant exhortation. He's always, he's in my ear, whether it's correction or exhortation. He's, he's, he's always, he's always in my headset while, while I'm out in the field, you know, ah, that sucked. You needed to read that play, you know, always, always, you know, I, I I've been a Christian for 15 years and I've spent eight years on two theology degrees in the centrally planned ecclesiastical academies, you know, both, both in academy, both, both a master's and a bachelor and a master, a bachelor's and a master's in, in theological studies, practical theological studies, believe it or not, is that as, as the joke 
may go. God has a sense of humor, allows you to do that. Practical the masters in practical theolo theological studies, sir, the first. So, you know, if you Google my name, you'll see all sorts of stuff on that. Of course, repenting of flag-waving nationalistic American, evangelic American evangelicalism and conservatism of the of the state, you know, uh, the American police state and all its trappings, led to my pro-circuit drying up and my stint in the clergy class as this speaker musician, you know, coming to an abrupt halt by the grace of God two years ago. It's tough, but it did. And, and, and so the, the aspiring doctor, lead, teaching pastor, professor, Joseph Sebastian Salant, sir, the first, it, it, it crashed, crashed back to earth. And now it's just your boy, Joe Salant, on the block with the truth, right? Nicholas, on the other hand, right? He spent the better part of a decade in prison for victimless fake crimes against the state as part of the USSA drug war. And that's where he became a Christian. By the direction of the spirit alone now, Nick Perez, he grew up, he grew in biblical knowledge in prison, devouring the Bible, along with the works of authors like Cornelius Van Til, uh, Greg Bonson, R.J. Rush Dooney, you know, a lot of, you know, the reformed theologians that everybody's going to, you know, like brag about having in their library later when he get out, he'd read a lot of Gary North, you know, and then he, he was, he was actually, you know, one of the first persons that recommended Bojar Marinoff, like as, as, you know, the culmination of, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, older, older heads work right now. And then, and then, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, Dr. Joel McDermott too, big influence on Nick Perez, but all this stuff he, he got into, you know, just by the Holy spirit. Right. So when he got out, out of prison, Nick continued to grow in wisdom and knowledge in his personal studies, you know, visiting a few centrally planned religious worship services and rejecting them as a bad investment in his time and resources for the purpose of footstooling the enemies of the gospel of King Jesus. Nick has an uncanny discernment and a real lack of caring if you think he's, you know, got his collectivist uh, P's and Q's straight, right? You know, so as I bring you this message today, he has been out of, out of the prison industrial complex, Nicholas Press, for, for only a few years and just recently off parole. His Christian discipleship path included zero clergy figures and access to cheap and free resources. Mine, in contrast, was four times as long, included direct teaching from world-renowned scholars and a plethora of clergy figures and, and over 100K in, in student loan debt. And yet it is me the one with the master's in practical theology degree that is catching up to Nicholas and looking to him for real practical theology, sort of like, you know, the, the Politburo food production expert in the USSR would look to the average American farmer as his better in the area of food production. That's a microcosm of it right there. It's time to abolish the clergy-lady divide and exercise dominion for King Jesus. Now, I'll close with this gem from my main bro, Jason Sanchez. My man, dude. My man. My man. Another man in the Bojadar Marinoff, Nick Perez category in my life, who's helped, helped me break the shackles of the old power religion paradigm and, and, and use my talents to bear fruit for King Jesus in the age of saltlessness and lightlessness on the ecclesiastical landscape. I've been rocking with Jason, you know, since I broke out of that, you know, bondage right there. Um, since I got out of that, American Evangelifist Religious Club circuit. It's been it's it's, it's been me and him, you know. In in a Facebook post, uh, Jason, founder of Reconstructionist Radio, by the way, and um, and, and all that. Uh, in a Facebook post, this is what this is what Jason Sanchez writes, and you can you can catch this on his wall. He says this: because of common grace, the pagans in our culture have been riding the coattails of the blessings given to the church in the past. They have scrounged up all of the crumbs that have fallen off the table in time past and have created technology and industry that has advanced us forward. Meanwhile, recipients of God's special grace, his church have become malnourished due to leaving the vast majority of the feast on the table. Why? Because, because they got their little grape juice and their teeny little tasteless wafers. That's why. <laughs> why is what the continuing with Jason. Why? Because they have waited for their elders to tell them how and what to eat. The pagans have freely nourished themselves on the crumbs that have fallen to the floor while the church has neglected the feast of blessing on the table for the stupid little cup of 
grape juice and a tasteless wafer in the corner. Jason continues, the pagans continue an upward trajectory in regards to building an industry, but they are also becoming epistemologically self-conscious and in turn committing suicide through their ethical violations. Meanwhile, the church remains flatlined, lukewarm, and stagnant in regards to becoming epistemologically self-conscious that they are a royal priesthood, due in part because of an unnatural clergy-laity restriction. Do not fret, because once the body of Christ starts to eat of the feast for themselves, they will rise up on eagles' wings, and on the wealth of the sinner, which is laid up for the just, will be at our disposal to commandeer toward the exercise of dominion for the glory of King Jesus. I appreciate y'all time and consideration. Once again, it's been your boy Joe Salon for the X-Wing, smashing the idols of the right and the left. Let's build something that the 9-11 seekers can run to next time it hits the fan. Let's get it. Thank you for joining us in the X-Wing cave. Until next time, make sure you stay on the right side of that ethical judicial line. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.